0: Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks for listening. Happy Tuesday. Happy day after Labor Day. Hope y'all had a very enjoyable extended weekend with minimal labor. I'm sorry, ma'am. Is there a particular reason why you're going 15 miles under the speed limit on the highway? I almost just slammed into the rear end of this Nissan. <laughs> gosh, obviously I'm driving while I'm recording here and uh, started off my day with some extra special excitement as I was buckling my uh, two-year-old, I have a two-year-old now, she had her birthday last week at her birthday party, it was very exciting. But, uh, as I was buckling my two-year-old into her car seat this morning on our way out the door, way out to the, to the school, to the center to start our day, I heard what sounded like a gunshot, a popping sound from my tire, the back tire, and I thought, that's weird. I'm not driving. I'm just buckling her car seat. Why, why does it sound like my tire's exploding? Sure enough, get in the car, and I've got a low pressure in that tire. So, I, uh... It wasn't too low, and it actually kind of raised up a little bit as I was driving. So, I did consider stopping and putting air into the tire, but, you know, I just, I just know how things go in my world. As soon as I do that, I'm uh, guaranteed to blow a tire on the highway or something and cause a major accident. So, I didn't, I did, I chose, I chose the, uh, chose to go back to tire discounters, which is quickly becoming a second home for me. I was just there less than a month ago with a bolt in one of my tires. So I pull in there and I I go in and you know th- the thing is this can happen. I mean, you can get you can have low tires, you can get flat tires. It's it's it comes and goes and you just got to deal with it. My my issue is that I've had easily six to seven tires replaced over the past year and like I said I was just there less not even a month ago with a tire with a bolt in it so I'm just irritated dealing with tires I know I drive for my job so obviously the potential of of an issue is higher the likelihood of me having an issue with the tire is obviously higher but come on can I catch a break already on these tires (laughs) So, I get there, and the guy's like, I don't see anything wrong with it, but we'll check it out. I'm like, okay, yeah, obviously there's something wrong with it. My tire pressure's dropped by more than 10, whatever, PSI, point, pressure, point, I don't know what it is. So, then he calls me back, hey, bonus, I've got a nail in the tire where the pressure is low, and as just an extra special gift to my Tuesday, I've got two nails and another tire where he says they're in there so deep that the air hasn't even started to leak yet. So, I don't, I don't know what to say. Thank you, I guess, <laughs> for finding those, for even bothering to look at the tire that there wasn't an issue with. And so, because I have learned my lesson the hard way, with this uh, tire issue, I purchased the roadside hazard warranty coverage, and um, their computer systems were down. So they basically patched all these holes, came out, handed, my, handed me my keys, and said, "You're good to go." I was out of there. It was a pretty, actually, a pretty quick. Took about an hour. That place stays hopping. Um, yeah, I don't know if he actually meant like, here you go, go to the counter and pay, or here you go, we're done. I took it as, here we go, here you go, we're done, and I ran out of there. <laughs> Normally, they'll call you to the counter, so I'm hoping I didn't just run out of there and not pay my uh, my bill, but I shouldn't have had one. I've got all that warranty coverage. I'm covered to the max with these tires because they're constantly getting... How did I run over three nails? It's not like I'm running through construction yards. what in the world I don't even know I gotta you know what I'm gonna have my son do today I'm gonna have him just drive through or walk through my driveway and see what's going on Something ain't right. I'm running over bolts and nails and and stuff just constant so we gotta I gotta figure out what's going on here because this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, I was extra ridiculous today because I was already stressed out about having a shorter work day. Uh, I took yesterday off work. We went camping. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I took yesterday off with full confidence that I was going to have four whole days, Tuesday through Friday. I was going to work Friday since I took yesterday. Four full days to be able to uh, do all of my work that I needed to do. Only to get a call yesterday evening from my children's lovely superintendent who actually does seem to be very lovely so far he's a new one he walked into a beehive mess we've had some not great superintendents I guess I don't know I'm always getting approached by people with petitions and stuff about how bad they are I never sign anything I'm like get away from me with that crap I don't want anything to do with it but I think they're I think they've been kind of bad, and this one I think is kind of good, but I don't, I don't, who knows, anyway, we get this call, and uh, they're doing a two hour early release with zero regard, no regard for anybody who actually works a full time job, (laughs) get over it if you have a job, your kid's coming home two hours early yeah so you know my my almost twelve year old he's he's fine like he's he loves it he's getting home like one thirty i won't be there to nag him he has zero uh motivation to do anything without me nagging him so that just means he's going to sit on the couch and play video games all afternoon he loves it he's excited and he's fine to be home alone he won't do anything productive but he also won't burn the house down so you know you win some you lose some uh my my seven-year-old though she will get home her bus will come at about two thirty, and in a perfect world, she should get off the bus and go into the house with a almost 12-year-old brother, and it'd be perfectly fine, and he should be responsible enough to supervise her and keep her from also burning the house down and, uh, you know, eat a snack and hang out there for a couple of hours until I finish my work. Keep However, I don't see that being the case. I'm just running over some, uh, what are these called? Speed strips? they're loud sorry about that (laughs) oh my gosh um yeah I don't I don't see that being the case they are physically very aggressive with each other for being five years apart when I had her I thought this is gonna be easy street there's no way they're too far apart their ages are too spread out surely they won't fight he's a boy she's a sweet little girl They'll be fine. Now, they fight like rabid animals. It's terrible. I hate it. So, I don't feel great about her being there alone with him because uh, she irritates him. He gets irritated. You know, there's just, she doesn't make great choices. Like, she just does things with really zero regard for consequences and, and just as very, uh, I think I've talked about this before, you know, her artistic needs supersede any type of thought towards the, what may, you know, pl- I can just see her doing something that would be just, just creating disaster. And I'm not there to really be her voice of reason. And he obviously is not going to be paying any attention to her. So, uh, yeah, and I didn't, you know, maybe if I would have prepped them a little bit, like, come in the house, sit on the couch, and don't move, I can see you, I put up a camera, kind <laughs> of, like, if I would have prepped them for something along those lines, I maybe would have been okay, I might do that for tomorrow, because I got, your girls gotta work, I gotta work, it's getting ridiculous, but, uh, yeah, for today, I think I'm just gonna end up trying to get home, and, and I might see a few patients, and then I'm just gonna end up having to get home in time for her bus, so crazy you know five and a half hours I'm just it's terrible and I need to work but I'm also so thankful because I can't imagine if I was in an office job like how stressful it is to have to try to rework child care and pickups and drop-offs and bus schedules and stuff like that every other day with the way these schools operate I feel you. I feel you, working parents. I feel you, working single parents. Man, it is, it is rough. It's like you go into your week and you ha- you feel like you have a good handle on what your schedule's going to be like. I was even yesterday, um, you know, at the camper. I had a minute. I was looking at my, my planner. I'm like, okay, you know, it's going to be chaotic as usual, but had a good handle on kind of what was going to be going on and then nope, bam, just... Demolished by a a, a major upheaval in schedule. The reason that they have to do this two hour early release is because Ohio is having a bit of a heat wave and our schools are stuck in the uh, I don't even know when I don't, I don't, I don't know, they don't have any air conditioning. The schools don't have any air conditioning. It's 150,000 degrees in their schools. It's terrible. They have no air conditioning. And, and then they have teeny tiny little windows that circulate zero air. And even if they did, I, it, here it is. Honestly, it's not even 11 o'clock. It's 90 degrees. 90. Mm. It's it's so hot. Um so, yeah, there's just, there's no way for them to be able to really accomplish anything in a building when it's that hot because there's uh, you know, it's miserable. They're, they can't breathe. There's just like, they're running fans and all they're doing is just circulating hot, balmy, sticky air. <laughs> so it's not, not too effective. But, um, Yeah. So I guess I'll be home early today. It's fine with me. I'm exhausted. I'm gonna try to get a nap. I'm gonna try to hit the nap hard. Um, yeah, I don't have to do any, any running around until later this evening. So I guess we're gonna do a nap time and live it up. So I got my tires fixed. I'm going home early today. I just wanted to recap. I've been a little bit, um, I've been kind of absent. Over the past week here, um, just been really extra busy leading up to the weekend and the holiday. My, uh, like I mentioned, my foster daughter had her two, no, I'm, you know what? I'm trying to find this patient's house and it's one of these really strange, like, Weird setup type condo places, and it they're impossible, so there's gonna be a lot of sh- gear shifting because I'm consistently just pulling in, reversing, pulling in, reversing, trying to figure out where I'm supposed to be. I don't even know if this guy's going to be home because I'm an hour later than what I originally scheduled because of the uh tire ordeal, so you know whatever, hopefully I catch up with him um, anyway, so. I, uh, teal pickup truck. I'm looking for a teal. Who drives a teal pickup truck? <laughs> Wish I did. I'm looking for a teal pickup truck. Here we go. My two year old's birthday. Now, the thing that's crazy about foster care when birthdays come around is that I don't, obviously, have any memories of the day that she was born. Um, I, uh, it was honest, like, I don't remember what I, I'm sure I was just doing normal things like going to work, picking up kids, um, things like that because she was born on August 30th, but then I didn't get called or know anything about her until September 16th because she had, she was preemie and she had some drug exposure issues and she, uh, she had some breathing, um, issues and things like that. So it's just, it's really, it's crazy to me to think that as I'm getting closer and closer to adopting her, that there are, there's, you know, 16 days of her life that, I don't know anything about like I wasn't there I hadn't met her I didn't know what was happening to her I didn't know who was seeing her or how she was being taken care of or I mean obviously she was in a hospital so I'm sure she was being well taken care of found the teal pickup truck yes um but yeah it's just really crazy to like you know you'll see people on Facebook post things and when their kids have birthdays like two years ago I remember rushing into the hospital and uh, you know having you know 24 hours of labor and blah 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 and it's like I don't know anything I don't know anything about obviously I don't have my own memories and I also don't know anything about what happened, like, did her mom's water break, did she go into labor, did she go into the hospital because she was having back pain, and then they said, oh, by the way, you're in labor, you know, I don't know anything about those details, and it's, there is, like, a void that you feel as an adoptive foster parent of not knowing what happened leading up to your child's birth, not knowing what happened, you know, after she was born and she was there in the hospital. The only thing that I do know, um, the limited information that I was given was that her biological mother did leave pretty quickly after she was born, left the hospital and then came back to visit with her, um, within the next couple of days and then came back about a week later to visit with her. But at that point, um, she was already in the custody of Children's Services. And so she was refused um, contact with her. So it's just kind of crazy to think that my daughter sat, you know, in a hospital bassinet for 16 days without really any, you know, or much contact being had. I did find out after the fact, which this is just to promote children's services because I know they do get a bad rap that um, there were caseworkers from the department or from the the unit where my original caseworker was at and who went to the hospital like on their breaks and took time during their day and held her and fed her and saw her and spent time with her so that she did have you know obviously the nurses are wonderful but so that she did have some additional contact with other people throughout her days but Um, I don't know if I talked about this when I did my original foster care series, but I just wanted to mention too that, you know, the fact that she's with me, um, I tell, I say this all the time is like, God is just, um, amazing in the way that he worked this timing. So I was contacted by her about her on a Friday. She actually was due to discharge the previous Friday, and what what they, if you have had a preemie, you would know this, but what they typically will do with preemies is when they're ready to discharge, or it seems medically that they're ready to discharge, if they've had, if they're smaller or they've had any breathing issues, they will do what's called like a car seat study to where they'll, hook the baby they'll have leave the baby all hooked up to all of their monitors and they will like their oxygen and heart and all of those things and they'll buckle them into the car seat completely like tighten it completely buckled and then basically just let them sit for 30 minutes and monitor their breathing their heart their everything just to make sure that they can manage um you know that position in a car seat and for her Um, the foster parent, the foster mom who was originally going to have her, who actually is the foster mom to her older siblings, she had gone to the hospital, she had taken a car seat, um, and then my daughter had gone through the car seat study that week before and she actually had failed. Well, I just had to stop and uh, ended up catching up with Mr. Teal, Teal Truck, so I was good, but normally I take a pretty good inventory on where I pause so that I can kind of jump right back into the conversation. Sometimes I'm so good that you don't even hear my pauses. This time, not so much because when I pulled up, these people, uh, the uh, wife came outside right when I pulled up and so she took the opportunity to uh give me a you know I can't exactly just she's like at my window (laughs) so I had to pause recording and I don't really know what I was talking about real talk (laughs) I know I was I was commiserating about my my foster daughter um and about not knowing her birth story and not knowing about you know, her, uh, the time that she was in the hospital before I, I met her and about how it played out. So I I think what I was getting to was that, you know, she had, she failed her car seat test. She had some drops in her oxygen saturation levels. And so she was not discharged when she was supposed to be. And then within that week, circumstances played out to where the woman who was initially going to be taking her in as a placement, Uh, backed out and decided that she was not, she was not up to the task of taking on a preemie and, and good for her because, you know, there's a lot of pressure to keep siblings together to, um, you know, when the new baby comes along, there's a lot of pressure for those babies to be kept in the same home. And so I really honestly applaud her for being honest with herself that she was not, um, able to do that and not willing to take on what it is to have a preemie and a newborn in the home because it's, it's a lot. Um, she required, like, it wasn't like, oh, we put her to bed and she slept through the night. She's such a good baby. No, I mean, she would have because she did sleep constantly for like the first, I don't know, two months but she had to be woke up like the doctors were adamant that every three hours she had to be woke up and fed so that's was a big undertaking to like know that this baby has the potential to sleep five or six hours and get a good night's sleep myself but i have to set an alarm and wake up and then she was um a what's called what they called I think they labeled her as like a slow feed or a delayed feed or anyway she took forever to eat a bottle. That's what it means so whenever you know you take set an alarm for three hours, it would take her sometimes thirty to forty minutes to actually eat and then so then you're looking at like maybe two and a half hours in reality in between each of these feed times so Anyway, I applaud that foster mom, you know, for, for acknowledging that that's not something she was able to do. And so, because she backed out, um, really the day before her new, the baby's new discharge date, the following week, from when she had failed that car seat study, they kept her for an entire week, monitored her oxygen, blah, blah, blah. Um, she was ready to go. She passed the car seat study. And um, because she backed out... Basically, Children's Services said to my foster care um, agency, "Oh no, no, no! You said that you'd have a foster home for this baby. She's being discharged tomorrow afternoon. Like, figure it out. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> we don't care that this lady bagged out. You are you have to find another home." And so that's how I ended up getting called. Um, I think I talked about how, like, the agency that I'm licensed with does not typically uh, foster babies or have babies or, you know, healthy newborns and things like that. But because, again, her, um, her siblings were in one of their homes, that's kind of how it played out. So, anyway that's that's it I mean it's just you know it's just crazy it's like I don't have any pregnancy memories I can remember all kinds of things about my both my daughter and my son's pregnancy and what I craved and and what I did and how hard I worked and you know going into labor with my daughter and being induced with my son and like to not have any of those memories it is just a I don't know why I didn't think about it as much last year maybe because I was just like thankful that I made it through a year and that was my whole focus but this year when she turned two I really I really thought about it quite a bit so anyway had her birthday party on Saturday um I am I've been feeling this way for quite a while and I'm I'm feeling even more committed to, um, just a practice of like minimalism and purging and like just trying to have only things and like buy only things that I really super need. And, and, and anyway, things that, you know, maybe are like sustainable that I can use more than just one time So when it came time for her birthday party, I was over it. Like I had already, um, and I'm willing to admit this to myself, I had over, I overdid it for my seven-year-old's birthday. We literally, my son was like, do you realize that you celebrated her birthday in some form or fashion every single day of the week of her birthday? I was like, yeah, you got a point. Um, So my two-year-old sorry she kind of uh caught the brunt of that exhaustion and I decided that I was not I was just wasn't going to do it um plus she's two she's she doesn't have any expectations she has no memory of any of this happening I do want to provide her with exciting and happy experiences but she's two she doesn't remember she's not gonna remember any of this So, I, uh, on her birthday, I got her, um, some ice cream and I actually, she really loves cars and tracks and, and things like that. So, I got her this really cool, um, light up track set with these little battery operated cars. She loved it. My older two loved it. They played with it more than she did. As I, as they're playing with it, I'm realizing that's never something that I ever that they've ever had. Like a actual well, that's not true. My son was real hot and heavy into Thomas the train when he was younger. And so I guess he did have some train tracks and some little battery operated trains that he used to play with on it. But anyway, Um, but that was really like one of the main presents that I got her and then I ordered some like, uh, more learning type toys for her on Amazon and then when it came for her party, my, a good friend of mine who owns an art studio in our town, she was so gracious to allow for me to have, um, her party at this little art studio and we did a little bit of painting, but like simple things like, I didn't buy any balloons, and I always buy balloons. Last year, I literally bought this giant bouquet of balloons. I think it cost at least twenty thirty dollars to fill up like just the helium alone. This map, does anybody else deal with this? Why did GPS just detour me through an apartment complex when I could have just gotten to gone to the intersection to turn onto the road so stupid oh anyway so yeah last year I mean it was like this giant bouquet of probably 30 balloons these big giant mylars I think it cost 20 30 dollars just for the helium to fill them up I didn't do it I'm not doing it for what first of all balloons are annoying then they're in my car they're in my face they're in my house kids are fighting over them they're constantly in the way of the tv then they're all deflated and there's strings everywhere just begging for a kid to choke on them or get it wrapped around their neck nope not doing it no balloons you know what i bought i bought paper plates i bought some forks for the cake and i bought some napkins i did get the actual i was gonna go to the extreme and just like use the dixie paper plates that i had gotten for our house And I was like, let me not, let me not just, let me not take it that far. So I did actually get her some decorative plates and stuff, but, and then I got her cake and I got some real minimal snacks. Her party was at two o'clock in the afternoon on purpose. I did not want to have to provide a full meal because I have a tendency to overbuy food. And then I end up getting like stuck with all of these things that maybe my kids don't even like because I, bought something that I thought other people would like and blah 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 so what I did too as far as that goes is I bought food and drinks and snacks and things that I knew that my kids would eat even if there were a lot of leftovers Mm -hmm. so it was it felt like if I walk out of here with all this food, it's okay because we're gonna end up eating it. And I didn't ended up not having as many leftovers as I thought, but I mean the stuff that I have, we're definitely gonna eat and use. So that's kind of my uh, my new pitch towards birthdays and celebrations and stuff is that I'm just not I'm not buying stuff that like pinatas. Nope, pinatas are out. I'm not doing it. Um I'm just cutting that stuff because it's just frivolous. Just starting to feel very, very frivolous. I'm sorry to my younger two kids who are gonna have boring birthday parties because of this new mentality that I have. But um yeah, I'm just I'm not doing it. But so we had our birthday party and it was a blast. It was so fun. They had fun painting. You know what I did for painting? I had a canvas. That's a masking tape. They took the masking tape. They taped on. My friend taught me this. I'm in no way artsy, nor did I, would I ever have come up with something like this on my own. But she taught me this. We did it for my daughter, I think, on her third birthday party. Had her party there as well. But uh, taped on the first letter of their name, so their initial. Painted all over it. Let it dry. And then when you peel the paint off, you know, it's white. So then you have your initial with the paint and colors, blah, blah, blah. They live for it. They love it. They live for it, they love it. So it's simple, easy project. I had all the paint. Had ordered some little paint puffy project like uh, you know foam and right paint brushes, off. things like that. Uh I have those. We'll use them again. So that was another thing where it's like I'm ordering these for the party, but we'll definitely use them again in the future. And yeah, had a had a good time. She got she didn't get too many presents which was also a bonus for me she got some clothes and a couple little cute stuffed animal things so that was good we didn't come home with like a ton of you know just toys that are gonna pile up so it was good also on Saturday before we left for the party I think I've mentioned before my uh nanny sitter that I had over the summer is like a she's on expert level when it comes to organization and cleaning and she uh she agreed to continue to help me and I was so grateful so she came on Saturday and I have this linen closet it's the old this house this is one thing you have to know about old houses this house was was, uh, built early 1900s giant four stories I'm talking a full attic 12 foot ceilings Full second, full third floor, you know, five bedrooms, two full baths, bathtub, you know, to- the whole deal. A full, obviously, downstairs with an office, foyer. It's a barn. Basically. It's just, it's way too big. Full sunroom, laundry room, and then a full basement with full, like, you know, six, seven, eight foot ceilings. All of it needs to be redone, top to bottom, but it's huge. One closet. This house as big as it is one closet so it's a big closet well I let me let me say that let me say that differently one closet outside of the closets that are in the bedrooms now the bedrooms four out of five had to have a closet in them but there is no like Closet in the bathrooms, closet downstairs for coats, closet for your vacuum cleaner to put it up. None of that's going on. There's this one closet upstairs, extends out over the stairwell. So it's really deep, has some really nice shelving in it. I'm going to tell you something right now. That closet was packed solid, top to bottom, front to back, with linen, just sheets, blankets, pillows, all of it. Just packed solid. And so what I had her do, I apologized to her. I felt bad. I said, listen, if you don't want to do this, I'm okay with you telling me no. Because I, I don't want to do it. I've been putting it off for years. <laughs> if, but if you want to take this on, this is what I have for you. I said, I only want to have... So I wrote down for her all of the beds that I have in my five bedrooms... And I said, I only want to have two sets of of sheets for each of of these beds. Obviously, there's one set on all of the beds now. So, essentially, if you can pull out one set of sheets additional for each of these beds, everything else I'm getting rid of. Everything else needs to go. There's a pile so big uh, of blankets and pillows. I mean, I can't even... I don't even know how I'll transport it anywhere. It's huge. I found out that uh, I saw on Facebook... That a shelter, a uh, homeless shelter in our area is like hurting. They've got, what are they, I don't know if they just write, if they always write this, but this is what it said at least, that they have more people and children and families in the shelter than they ever have. And one of the things that they're needing is blankets and pillows and sheets and stuff. So, yeah, all of that stuff is going to the shelter as soon as I can figure out how to get it there. <laughs> I need a truck or a trailer or something. I have a truck, but it's full of junk that I need to take to the dump so I can't really haul anything and it's always it's kind of iffy it's like do I really want to take it farther than at the end of my driveway to take the trash down uh, I'm not, especially not with kids I'm not I'm not taking it any farther than that I kind of just use it as a work truck around the property to haul, uh, haul limbs and trash and fill it up with trash and stuff and every once in a while I'll take it out to the dump but that's that's a rare trip so Anyway, that's something I wanted to talk about that I'm kind of... I kind of thought about, was thinking about last night uh, and today even is that I... In, in the effort of um, just trying to really downsize, I am committed to taking... This is what I'm going to try to do and I'll, and I'll update you and I'll keep you updated. I'm going to try at least once a week... To fill my trunk with whatever. So obviously this week, the goal would be to fill it up with as many of these blankets and pillows and and sheets and everything that I can and take it to the shelter. It might be two or three trips, to be honest. But my goal is to fill my trunk at least once a week with items that I can donate either to someone to an organization to out a goodwill a shelter outside of my home is the basically the goal um, I have too much stuff and I think if a lot of us if we looked around you might find yourself kind of in the same position of this is kind of where I, what I'm going to try to do if I haven't touched it with my hands in at least a year maybe even six months it's going to go I'm going to be getting rid of a lot of stuff. I'm going to be boxing up and packing up and donating and and getting rid of a lot of things because there are so many things that other people could be using that I'm not using that it's kind of embarrassing and so when I saw that post especially about how they've got all these people in the shelter and they don't have any sheets and pillows and blankets for these children and families and here I've got a linen closet that's so full I can hardly shut the door it's it's crazy I don't need all this stuff it's got to go so I don't know maybe I challenge you to consider consider downsizing and and going through your house and seeing you know maybe if you have things that you're not using that you may be able to give away and, and allow for someone else that needs those things to use them so that's my goal. I'm going to try and get get this stuff out of my house. So, I think, too, and I saw this on a, um, a YouTube video last night, and I would agree. She was talking about, like, 50 things that she no longer buys. Um, and what she said was that, you know, by decreasing her spending and by not purchasing, you know, things as regularly or as as many things that wow. Wow. she has created a very calm, relaxing space and I 100% agree with that. Like when I open up that closet, it makes my heart race. Like my anxiety and just I don't even want to look at it. Like I just close it right back up. But when I open it up after my sweet nanny sitter slash savior to my home (laughs) had been there and she'd organized it. The the girls, she's a rock star. She put little labels on everything to tell me what it was and left me a note, letting me know everything she had done and where everything was. When I open it up and I see how empty it is and how there's only, you know, that makes my heart sore. I just feel so relieved and calm and I and I just love it so I want every room in my house to be like that closet and uh I'm getting there I think there's something to be said for like keeping things that you know you're going to use this is something that my second husband and I really battled because he went to the extreme he would like come across this is a real story I can't I'm not even making this up He would come across 150 toilet seats on an auction site that were a good deal and would buy them. He did buy them. They're in my barn. Uh, And so in his mind, why not? We have the money. We have the space. Let's buy them. Because eventually, across the course of my lifetime, there is a possibility that I might use all these toilet seats. You know, rental homes and blah, blah, blah. Fine. Fine. I get that, but I think there is also something to be said for trying to clear your space of things that you're not using or that you're, you know, not going to need. Like, I, I have a, a small stockpile of uh, school supplies because that saves me time and, and, and energy when my seven-year-old breaks all of her crayons. No problem, because I've got a new box just waiting in the wings for you, babe. So, you know, that saves me some time. So I don't mind keeping that kind of stuff around. But, damn, 50 sets of sheets, you got to go. You got to go. I don't, need, I don't need all that stuff piled up. So that's what I'm working on, along with 600 other things. But that's, that's one thing. Well, that was a bust. Uh, just trying to see another patient, and they're not they're not where they're supposed to be they're not where they should be so i can't see them so yeah i love that shortened day and driving to see patients that are not home fantastic uh Anyway, I, I have one other thing. I'm Even as I'm talking, I'm thinking, do I really want to get into this? Because it's kind of an ordeal. But I have one other thing that I wanted to, I think, go ahead and, and talk about at the end of this recording today. And I, I guess the reason that I am going to go ahead and move forward with recording and talking about this topic is that I believe and I think that there are other people who are in the same Scenario and who are you know potentially struggling with the same things that I, I experience and I'm and I find myself struggling with and I I'm like I said you know thirty episodes ago um, I started this podcast for the purpose of being able to commiserate and to encourage and to you know let people know that you're not the only one that is going through these circumstances or these things in your life and to be honest and and really um, real about things that I've experienced or am experiencing and and hopefully be able to you know provide encouragement in that way and and uh, you know share how I've in my own life managed to do things sometimes Correctly, sometimes incorrectly, uh, and encourage, you know, mistakes to not be made in the way that I've made them and, and maybe encourage correct steps in the way that I've taken them. But anyway, so on Sunday I go to church, um, and you know, I'll be honest and I, I don't mean this in a way that's in any way offensive but this is just this is a reality of the situation i grew up in a church from like my freshman year through college mostly Mm -hmm. that the people in that church even to this day are outrageously generous and have given to me and have supported me and have been um, just super, super, uh, per- okay, good. I'm like, this road is closed in three miles. What are we doing here? Um, have been very, very supportive. And what I mean is like, when I had my son, I had to move back in with my parent my parents because I had, I think I, you know, I've talked about this before, but I had, I had left my um, first husband because of domestic violence and, you know, had lived in Atlanta and then I don't know if I mentioned this, but I mean, I ended up having two car accidents within 10 days of each other. The second one resulting in a full total of my car. And because I worked in child welfare at the time, um, while I was there in Atlanta, I obviously could not continue to work because I didn't have a vehicle and I really couldn't justify staying there. And I'm like, You know, nine months pregnant. I have no vehicle. I have no family. So I ended up moving back to Ohio. And when I got home to Ohio, my church that I grew up in had thrown me a baby shower without me even being aware or being there. And I had an entire crib and the floor at my parents' house just full of baby clothes, everything baby. So, I mean, things like that, that through the years, I mean, last year at Christmas, there were a couple of, like, their men's group, their youth group, that did um, basically, like, designated portions of their budget to me and my family, and I had checks um, that were totally unexpected, uh, like, just... Shocking, really that like their church just gave me this is a church I don't even go to anymore but this is what I mean like the people have been so giving and supportive for years however you're probably thinking well then why don't you go to church there anymore <laughs> well I'm gonna tell you um, I was not able to grow with their pastor I was not able to learn I do not follow his teaching style and it's not he does not teach in a way that I can really grow from and I again I'm not in any way bashing or saying that he's bad or he's good or he's anything I'm just he's a wonderful kind man and a great pastor to his church however when I would be there my personal experience was that I had no clue what he was talking about he's he just has a different approach that I cannot, I cannot follow and I cannot learn from. So when my son was actually about under a year old, I started realizing that even though it was difficult for me to, just, to break away from these people who had helped me so much and were so good and so good to my family, I really had to focus on finding somewhere where I could learn and I could grow in my faith um, and I couldn't just go to church because of the people. I had to go, hopefully, for the people and to be able to learn for, from the pastor and from the teaching. So I ended up going to kind of what I guess what would be called like a mega church for a while. And the pastor there was excellent. So he still is there. So smart. So good. Definitely learned from him every time I went. Really, really enjoyed it. But it was about... 30 minutes from where I live with my parents and then about 40 minutes from where I live now. So after I moved into the house that I'm at now, still did not want to go back to the church where my parents are, but also didn't really want to have to do a 40 minute drive. At that time we had four children and it was just pretty chaotic to try to get out the door anywhere, let alone getting somewhere with 40 minutes to drive. So ended up, uh, landing at a church, I think it's like five minutes from my house, and uh, again, the pastor there has just really been encouraging. I've learned a lot from him. Just his style and his teaching has just been very challenging to me. And uh, I've a lot of times when I've been frustrated with different aspects of the church, it's his teaching and his style, and like him as a pastor and the way he preaches that have kept me kept me kept me going you know he actually uh, at one point said you know like church's family like you can't just bail on your family because your aunt's crazy and and cause you fat every time you see her you got to stick around you got to stick around with your family and that's kind of how this church has been like there have been times where I've been like I want to leave because this isn't this, this but you know you don't bail on family, and so I've stuck around. But a big factor in sticking around has been how much I've learned from this pastor. So, anyway, that's not the point of this story, and I made it eight minutes anyway. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, on Sunday, we are uh, the pastor is uh, teaching through this tiny book in the back of your Bible called Philemon. Philemon, whatever however you want to say it, and uh, it's one chapter, so I don't know what it is, like 20 verses or something, but um, so anyway, I won't get into the whole sermon. I'm not a pastor or in any way, you know, have, am able to communicate the way that he does, but essentially the whole purpose of Sunday's message was about forgiveness, and um, you know, I'm kind of sitting through there like, yeah, I got this on lock. I don't hold grudges. I actually feel guilt. Like, I I tell people, like, I feel guilt like a Catholic. I can't, I can't hold on to stuff like that. Like, I'm telling people I'm sorry when the, and they're looking at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I have to apologize. I don't. Uh, I don't do well at not apologizing and not asking for forgiveness. I also feel like I forgive, or I felt like, I should say, as he's talking. I felt like I do pretty good at being uh, forgiving and of not holding things against people. Or Anyway, I'm not patting myself on the back because as the message went on, I realized that I actually suck at it and I suck hard. <laughs> but... Um, so I am going to just kind of, I wrote this down as I was in there because I knew that I was going to have to come back to it. And I just want to say that this is something that I'm still working on because I have not accomplished this, uh, this, this forgiveness, um, in my life. But so I think the first thing, he had three points. The first point that he talked about was when you're when you're thinking of someone who has offended you or something that has happened in your life that's caused you pain or caused you harm or caused someone that you love pain or harm is that the first step that he talked about was identifying what was taken Um, and so as soon as he started to talk about this um, I pretty well fell apart Because this has been something that is still very hard for me is that, you know, with my first husband, I mentioned this before that he was a pastor and we were planting a church. And so when I think about what was taken from me with the choices that he made and with that marriage ending, you know, I had it in my heart and desire that I wanted to be in full time ministry and I wanted to be a pastor's wife Um, And so that was taken for me with that marriage. And it is a major, major loss that I feel. Um, I've honestly had a difficult time being, this is really petty and stupid, but hey, raw honesty here, folks. (laughs) You heard it from me. Um, I've had a difficult time being in friendships with my own pastor's wife because i have to really check myself when it comes to like envy and jealousy and covetousness i can't even say that word but because i look at her life and i look at other pastors wives lives and i feel this like anger and frustration of that should have been my life and that's the life that i wanted and blah 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 but Obviously, I know that that's not the life that I should have had. I'm living my life what I should have. But, I mean, you know, you feel those things. Um, I think, you know, and then with my second husband, the loss, the the things that he's taken from me are endless. I'm not even going to get into all of it. Because I think, you know, if you've experienced a divorce, if you've experienced a marriage that has ended, especially with children... I don't even have to tell you. I'm sure that just as I can, that anyone else who has gone through those, that thing, that, that process, that event can easily list multiple, multiple things that, you know, that life event and those choices and that loss um, and that hurt have taken from your life. You know, I was thinking like even I... I sometimes feel like I can't parent my children the way that I want to because I'm one person. And if I had, you know, if there was another person, I could do more with them. I could be more engaged with them. I could this, this, this. So I think that's something that he's taken from me. He's taken from me the ability to parent my children the way that I want to because I'm only one person now. And I don't have a helper. I don't have a partner. And you know just things like that that i i realized as i was sitting in this service that i am holding those things and i am i am not forgiving him i am not <laughs> um i have identified what was taken and i have i have ruminated and continue to ruminate on those things and the thing that's difficult I think with with any type of marriage and divorce is that it's not a one-time incident it is constant you know we're we're, it's not like we're divorced and now he's never a part of my life we have a child together so he is going to be a part of my life forever really I mean until she's 18 by law but even after that you know she has a child he's going to be there she gets married he's going to be there he's going to be a part of my life forever and so along the way there's going to be this constant uh just reminder of the things that he has and the loss of that marriage have taken away um taken away from me and so As I sat there in church on Sunday, I really, I know that the purpose of the service was to encourage forgiveness uh, and encourage, you know, everyone to consider the possibility that there may be things in your life that you've not forgiven or people in your life that you've not forgiven. Instead, what I did was I sat there and I just got mad. I just got more and more and more angry and hurt. And then I got pretty sad. I just got frustrated with myself because I think the thing that I wanted to share is what well, we have to know, and, and my pastor said this, this isn't coming for me, I don't come up with stuff like this, is that forgiveness is, you know, it, it's for ourselves. Me choosing not to forgive him is not doing me, me any good. All it's doing is building this this toxic waste factory, basically, down deep in my heart that's creating a level of bitterness and anger that I realize and I know spills out into my other relationships. Not always, you know, I have good times, I'm happy, I'm content a lot of the times, but there definitely are times to where those feelings and that unforgiveness spill out into other relationships into my with my children, with my friends with my family and so it's not it's not a good thing. It's not anything that's healthy. It's not anything that's good. And the other thing the other piece of it is, it's not doing anything to him it 's not like oh i'm I'm staying mad at him, so that's really sticking it to him. He can give a shit he don't care it doesn't do anything to him. It has no effect on him it's all affecting it's affecting me and me only so the second point, and this is where I said no thank you, sir, to my pastor because i'm not quite there yet, and i don't know other than with Jesus and with help from God and I'm praying you know now daily to have this moment and and to be able to fully confidently believe that I have done this so the second point was to cancel the debt cancel it can't to, to not hold that anger and resentment against that person any longer how do you do that I I, I can't answer that question because I haven't figured it out because how do I cancel essentially a lifetime of hurt and frustration that's going to come out of what this person what this man has done to me what my first husband has done what my second husband now has done and and I, I want to say because as I'm saying this it makes me sound like I'm innocent like I'm like I feel like I'm communicating in a way that I'm innocent or I haven't contributed I absolutely contributed to both situations so I'm far from innocent but when it comes to The direct hurt and the direct frustration. I guess what I'm saying is how do I cancel all of that? How do I cancel, you know, with my daughter, eighteen years of anger and frustration and hurt that I feel on her behalf for not having a father a part of her life. I never have I've never cried on one of these recordings. Had to pull it together a little bit there. Ah. You know, how do I cancel all of the years of my son not having a father? How do I cancel that debt? And I just know, like I said, this is as real as it gets, folks, but I just, I just know that there are other people, there are other moms, I can think of a few, you know, that I know off of Facebook, that I know in person that I've interacted with I know that that feel this and that uh, that have these same hurts and same frustrations and I'm just so thankful to my pastor for really challenging and, and challenging in a way that's honest and that's true and that's right and saying you have to cancel it and the reason that he said that's true and that I know is right the reason why I know it's right to cancel that debt is because what he said was if you can't cancel that debt, then you you can't truly grasp what Jesus did for you. And I was like, excuse me, what? Yes, I can. I've been a Christian since I was seven years old. I believe what Jesus said to me. Don't be questioning me, sir. <laughs> no, but it's true. How can I sit back confident and say, I believe what Jesus did for me. I believe that he saved me. You know, I believe I have my faith. How can I say that I believe that Jesus canceled my debt and all of my mistakes and wrongs and all of the things that I've done. But then I can't turn around and believe that truth and pass it on to someone else in my life. Who has caused me hurt and pain and, and sorrow and frustration and anger and all of the emotions. It's not right. And that is the reality. So, you know, like I said, uh, I haven't done it. I haven't gotten there. I have not. I've yet to arrive. And that's the beauty, I think, of, of a relationship, you know, with God and, a, and of, of having that is that it's not a, you know, it's not always a click your fingers and you get it. But I, but it is, it is a process and it is something to work towards. I don't want to live and I don't want to continue to dwell in this unforgiveness. I, you know, my goal is to work towards having a conversation with him even and moving towards being able to forgive him. And I know and I have to accept that it's not going to be a one time forgiveness. This is going to be a continual daily weekly monthly yearly forgiveness of not the what he's taken from me what he's taken from my children and also what you know it, what may come in the future that he may take from me and how he may hurt me in the future and things that because he's going to continually be a part of my life the last thing that the last point you know can you even be a baptist pastor if you don't have three points in your sermon in your message but the last point was that you can no longer hold that debt against the person who has offended you what like i want to be mad though so no you can't though you can't hold it against him uh and what does that mean i can't be a jerk to him i can't Be mean I can't ignore him I can't be angry with him I can't respond back to text messages in a way that communicates how disgusted I am with him I can't you know give him the cold shoulder when I see him I have to be kind and I have to be gracious and I have to be all of the things that are so so difficult for me to be towards him because again if I I can't get to the point of doing that then I, I, I ignore I ignore what what Jesus did for me and how, despite my terrible life choices and sins and mistakes and wrong things that I've done, how Jesus continues to love me and continues to pour into my life and bless me and give to me and so if I can't, basically what my pastor said, the one thing he said I thought was so good is that. If you could just believe the gospel, which is, you know, a word that means the good news. If you could just remember and believe what Jesus has done for your life in every aspect of your life, then things will really pan out, you know, better than what they have been. And so if I can just really believe... What Jesus has done for me, then I can I can help myself, and it can help me to not hold hold this debt against my uh, my ex husband. So both of them, both of both of the idiots. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, See, I told you I'm working on it. I'm not there. Okay, I'm not there. I'm not there to the point that you know the first Sunday of every month. We, uh, hold communion, and if you're not, th- this is why, this is one of the reasons why I debated on recording this, because I, I know that I have listeners who are not Christian, who are not a part of a church, who maybe this is, like, completely a foreign, um, idea to them, and that's okay, and I, I welcome, those listeners, and I want for people to, I don't want people to get turned off because, oh, this, all this girl talks about is churchy, churchy, Christianese, churchy, church. I, I'm going to sometimes because it's part of my life, but I also think that whether you're a part of a, a faith or you have a relationship with, with Jesus and, and, are in a church or not, I think this is good, just life practice is to rid yourself of, uh, of just negativity and unforgiveness and anger and move towards forgiveness. I think that's just a good life practice in general. I happen to have a motivation in my relationship with God to do it and move in that direction for, for additional reasons other than it just being a good life practice. So, um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. Oh, I was saying was, <laughs> I uh, I feel at it so terribly, and I, I haven't uh, quite got there to the point that we have this communion service, which if you've ever been in a church that does communion, it's a little bit different. It's not like go to the front, take it from a priest kind of thing. You know, maybe the Catholic Church kind of operates in that way, some other churches, but um, it's more of a they pass it out. I see it as like a a ceremony to where it's a remembrance ceremony. It's a remembrance of what Jesus did, you know, on the cross kind of thing. And you know, the body, the blood it's, it's if you haven't been a part or you haven't like known it's, it gets a little weird. You're eating the body, you're drinking the blood. I mean, it's just, it just, gets a little bit strange. This kind of stuff that goes on, but I have always really, really taken it seriously. and, And see it as a way to kind of, you know, monthly just check myself, recommit myself, realign my head and my body, you know, all these things. So, I have never not taken communion when it was offered. um, You know, which in this church is once a month. I've never not taken it. This Sunday, however... As my pastor is, you know, prepping for this ceremony and the things are being packed out, passed out, he says, uh, at this point, take time to, you know, come to God and and to clear your heart. And if you have things in your in your life that you need to seek forgiveness for, now is the time to do it. Uh, and if you've not um, cleared those things from your heart, then you may, in fact, be taking this communion in a way that's unworthy or that's a, you know, that's basically incorrect. And because I knew that I had not, in fact, fully accomplished forgiveness of my second husband or my first husband, but more, you know, more so my second was um, what I was focused on. I promptly took the, the, uh, the it's not wine, it's like grape juice or whatever it is, you know, I promptly took these cups with the, the little bread and the little juice and put them away. I put them down because I just knew that I was not in a good, I was not in a right mentality to take part in this practice, in that practice. And so I just wanted to be really honest with myself and say, not today. And that was it. Like I said, that was the first time 36 years old, I've been taking communion for since I was in a teenager. You know, that was the first time that I've never that I've put it, put it down, not taken it. But you just have to be honest with yourself. Like I, I've not done it. I'm not there. I haven't accomplished this. It's going to be something that I'm going to work on and I'm going to study my Bible and try to get to a point to where I can really be around my ex-husband without wanting to punch him straight in his throat, just straight in the Adam's apple. Every single time I see him, he creates just a, uh, anger in me that I don't, I I need, I have to get a control over and I, and I, like I said, I I believe that there's other, whether it's someone who has wronged you in a marriage, a parent who has wronged you, a, uh, a sibling, a friend, I know that there are people who have experienced this same, these same feelings and this difficulty of moving past it and of experiencing true honest freedom that comes in forgiveness and so I wanted to be honest about where I'm at with that in hopes of encouraging you to try to work through these three steps and you know I can't tell you right now like oh yeah if you do this you're gonna have all this freedom because I'm not there but I'm sure that I I believe that there is freedom in in uh in forgiveness and in you know canceling the debt not holding the debt i believe that there is and that's why i'm motivated to move towards that because i know that it's right and i know that there is uh there's a lot more joy on the other side of it than than what there is in staying just kind of wallowing in anger and, and frustration and hurt so anyway how's that for a <laughs> how's that for a super depressing tuesday it's recording? Sorry, but you know, sometimes you gotta do it. Sometimes you gotta go there. Sometimes you gotta get a little heavy. So I hope that I can, I hope that that's encouraging, even though it was heavy. I hope it's encouraging. I hope that you can find it in your heart to seek forgiveness, to give forgiveness and to move into a place of, of more joy, more, uh, freedom, and and that it's a it's a good uh a good transition and I believe it will be for me as well. So, I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted. I'm not punching anybody. I've never punched anybody. Can you believe that? I have never punched anyone in the face or in any any portion of anyone's body. Can you believe that? I'm 36 years old. Never punched anybody. Is that something the pe- I th- I feel like it's something. I kind of want to just to experience it, but also don't want to break my hand. So, you know, anyway, all right, y'all enjoy the rest of your day, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up, I'm gonna proof listen to it, and I'm gonna post it immediately, because I'm afraid I might back out, and, and not want to, but I want to get it out there, I want to share this, uh, experience, and, uh, and hopefully it's, it'll be helpful for someone else, so send me a message, send me an email, leave me a comment, leave me a rating, do all those things, do them all at once if you can, and, uh, I'll catch up with y'all the next time, have a great, great day, all right, bye.